0: nerd out about running just to let people know who you are and how we met i i long story short for me i was injured and tried a few things tried going to a few people and then i met you because you um do physical therapy specifically for runners it's you always do it specifically for runners right I mean, that's
1: primarily like our clientele at Finish Line Physical Therapy, but I still do see people like outside of running, but that's like our main niche that we see at the clinic.
0: Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like the the big takeaway is that like, I couldn't run for like two years and then I met you and then I was, <laughs> now I'm running again. And I did the, so I started doing PT with you January, I think it was January, 2022. And basically, basically did it for the whole calendar year and was able to Mm -hmm. run a marathon, Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you once again for that, but, uh, yeah, of course, like, I mean, just for anyone who has a running injury, if you're in New York, go to, go to Connor, Um, and if Connor's not available, it just shows that, like, going to someone who knows, it, like, I went to a podiatrist at one point, but he wasn't a runner, So he, yeah, it was nothing like when I saw, went to you because I just talked to you for five minutes and you immediately knew what the problem was and how to fix it. Whereas that mm-hmm. guy was kind of guessing. And um, but yeah, so you're you're running and you, I mean you run all the time and you had an injury, but you, are you fully recovered yet?
1: Do you, you yeah, say? so um, a little backstory with like my whole injury and like how I've gotten to this point. Um, in July of last year, last year being twenty twenty two. Mm-hmm. I tore my meniscus in my knee while running, which required me to get a meniscus repair, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially just being totally off my leg for four to six weeks um, post op, just so I can kind of let the surgical site heal. And then from there, it was just a slow grind just to kind of get back to just running healthy, let alone running fast. And um, I had the ambitious goal of completing a marathon within a year of my surgery, because typically for a protocol like that, return to sport is between nine to 12 months. And I figured with it, you know, like the longer I'd waited going through the summer, it's just going to be a worse marathon. So I figured, like, let me shoot for um, the Memorial Day race for um, Vermont City Marathon up in Burlington. And, yeah, you know, I mean, it was a slow grind. You had to be kind of patient with it. But I'm definitely not 100%, um, especially in terms of the speed. But I was able to get the distance down in a fairly respectable time. And um, I'm also doing New York this year, too. So I'm looking forward oh, to getting my speed back for that one for sure.
0: That'll be cool. I'll I'll be doing it too. I'm I'm glad we'll both be there. And uh, so just like for reference, what was your, what was like your marathon time before the injury? And then what is it roughly today? Or what was that last marathon?
1: Sure, so my PR was um, in Chicago 2019. Yeah, 2019, it was 2.31. And the one I did for Vermont city was just under 3.17. And that one sucked for a lot of reasons, not just for the sake of kind of like returning back to running. Um, The heat was like a pretty major issue um, going into the race. I think from what people told me, the race went from 55 degrees to 80 degrees by the time I was done. And it was just a pretty slow slog all the way through. But um, my main intention was just sort of getting the distance done so I can get that emotional grind out of the way. So that way I can have a little bit of a faster race for New York.
0: Damn. Damn. (laughs) <laughs> that is that is quite a difference in uh, temperature, but three seventeen is pretty good. It's still pretty. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. Again, yeah, like I'm never going to be upset with the uh, time that I run because there's so much more that goes in the marathons and just like yeah. based on your pace, you know. Um. And frankly, like emotions were pretty high before and during, kind mm-hmm. of getting to that point ten months after my surgery. Yeah. Um. So I was just again sort of happy to kind of get that um little like mental barrier out of the way.
0: Yeah. Totally. And then so. Is the next one, the next one you're registered for is New York in November? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. And so do you have like a a goal time for that or any goals for that? Yeah, I kind of want to
1: shape it out first with like how the summer goes. Um, Ideally, I'd kind of like to get back to the time that I ran for New York in 2018, which was around 2.36, I want to say. And so if I can get like at least close to that time, then I'd say I'm pretty well back because that would be roughly think 16 weeks I'm sorry 16 months um after my surgery and so like you know to go like beyond that year and then to sort of just kind of get that speed back as opposed to just the endurance I think would be like a good um step forward
0: and how many times have you run the New York marathon
1: uh just the one time I did it during a PT school I think my first year of school and that was like a pretty big grind to do it like all the schooling and then marathon training
0: all in one I bet um, you. So, like, I've run it a couple times, and so, um, and I'm running it this year, and I have a couple parts of it that I always think about as sort of like these are going to be the mental challenges and like yeah. areas to prepare for. And I'm curious what 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 those things are for you when you think about New York's course.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also like work with it a lot with like all my patients that are also doing new york and so right. it's more of just like kind of setting them up for success for those mental barriers as well not just for myself and for you um the biggest ones i wouldn't exactly call it a barrier it's more of just like you need to be prepared for it brooklyn is just such a party that yep. it can really like you know take it can take the energy out of you for like good and the bad but it's like so early in the race that you need to sort of stay composed as yep. best as you can because i just remember it hitting me just like so freaking hard and i'm like okay i still have like a lot to go i need to sort of like calm this down a little bit more and then um i think Queensboro bridge is also a pretty big hurdle that you have to clear both like like quite literally being a giant hurdle of uh bridge but also getting back the first avenue it's sort of the same thing it's sort of just like hits you in the face with just like all the energy of the city just like cheering you on all at once and then again like still trying to like stay composed after that um And then I'd say with like a 5k to go at mile 23, which is where finish line like typically cheers for, which is where we've cheered for like the last few years, Um, just like that small little hill to get you um, to Central Park is like, it's so tedious, but you're just like a 5k to go. You're hearing all the crowds in Central Park, like cheering on those runners to be like almost done. And I feel like once you get over that hill, like once you get through mile 23, it should just be not smooth sailing, still the last 5k. But you know, just sort of like let whatever you got just like empty the tank
0: yeah, I think mile twenty uh what is it so I've run it three times now and mile twenty three always just crushes my soul I just eyes yeah, run because the it's very deceptive and like yeah, Queensboro bridge it's almost it's it's like such a it's such a hard thing to juggle because Queensboro bridge is just like such a steep incline and you're, it's like three quarters of a mile ish. And I don't know how many stories you're climbing, but I would guess like three or four, at least to get up. It to It feels point. that way. Yeah. Oh, do you know it what it is though? Roughly? Or? I
1: actually don't know just because like, like the, the biggest thing I usually say when it comes to those bridges is whatever you're doing, going up, you're also doing, going down. Yeah. So like, don't, like don't let your pace sort of dictate like how you feel for that bridge because it's not even about like making up for it either. Just like that momentum that you'll be able to take going down the hill, I'm sorry, like down the bridge is like all you really need. But yeah, I'd say it's like roughly between like three to five stories, I'd say.
0: I just remember preparing for that and then, yeah. And then it's like, you can (laughs) mentally get through the Bronx but then you're done like for me that's what it's always been it's like i get through there and then i'm just out of gas and then you get to that gradual incline at 23 and it's just oh that's the that's where you decide who you are yeah. as a human. It's <laughs> it's like not
1: what people tell you about either they tell you so much about the bridges they don't tell you about that small little hill at 23.
0: it is awful yeah it's awful um and so I was actually just talking to my dad about this because so today what we said before we started recording today, I did my long run and it was all hills and it was like, Mm -hmm. it was good practice. Um, And what I was saying was, and I'm curious to get your opinion on this, when I am running. Like sure I if it's a race I usually have a goal time that I'm trying to structure all my pacing around. And it's very calculated and stuff, and I have a game plan. But in general, when I'm going up a hill, I I try to not keep a certain pace. I'm just trying to like keep a certain intensity. Like I'm just, mm-hmm. trying to, it's like I'm in cruise control. And if I slow down, then I slow down. Uh, and then also going downhill, I don't let myself speed up. It's like I I try to keep things relatively stable through all my hills um how do you approach hills
1: yeah i mean it definitely depends like race versus just like a typical workout like what you were doing today like for just a long run and it sort of became like this hill workout unintentionally Mm -hmm. um yeah i kind of agree like not focus so much on pace just sort of focus a little bit more on effort and if you're keeping that same effort then you're doing it right but in terms of a race if you have a time goal and there's only so many hills like for example the new york city half um i paced one of my colleagues for that um this past spring and he at first wanted to sort of slow it down a little bit to go onto the hill so we had a little bit more room to work with and i told him no, like we gotta we have to keep the exact same intensity we actually have to hold pace a little bit or else you'll get complacent and then you'll slow down for the rest of it and so by the time the race was over we obviously shook hands because he hit that PR like pretty hard. And then, um, he said like, yeah, like, I'm really glad that we actually like stuck to that plan and like hit that hill hard because I feel like I definitely would have gotten complacent if I didn't do that. And so it's really all a matter of like the kind of runner you are and like, like you're talking about, like what your goal is and like how you want to structure the race. If you're trying to you know, even, even split or even negative split, there are moments that you will have to sort of suffer a little and try to hold that pace for that hill. But it's also a matter of like knowing like how tough that hill or that bridge is.
0: Yeah. And speaking of negative splits, like, so I've never done a negative split on a marathon. I've done, them, you know, I can do, I can do them on halves. Like I can, I can, like when I do a half, I can plan it out and stick to that plan pretty well. And like have a little bit left in the tank for the last few miles where I can just go faster. But with a, with a marathon, I just have never been able to do that. And do you think, I mean, do you think marathons are just, is it just a different beast? Or do you think just, it's as simple as going slower at the beginning?
1: So I think it's a little bit more of a mental challenge. Um, mm-hmm. Cause as you probably experienced with all the marathons you've done is too, like the race is so much more mental than it is physical. And to just be able to sort of just hold that composure and try to hold that like whole intensity for hours at a time is so <laughs> difficult. And that's what I tell a lot of my clients, like both through coaching and through PT, like what you have to do, you know, you just have to sort of like keep that mental capacity going. And that's what some of these long runs are kind of about. Not so much. Can you just keep building mileage, but can you just keep that mental drive going for an hour or two and then, you know, kind of creep it into like two and a half and then eventually three hours. And um, so like another part to that too, is like, I think like negative splitting is like a little bit overrated, You know, like my PR was a pretty major like positive split, like the first half, I think was a 113 and then the last half was a 118, but I still PR by like five minutes. So how am I going to be upset with a positive split that I PR by, by like so much, you know? And so like, you can take that as you will. I mean, obviously being able to negative split is like kind of the dream because that just means you feel pretty good throughout the whole race but just because I positive split doesn't mean I felt like total garbage at the, at the end of the race. I still felt pretty strong. There was just only so much I can sort of keep holding for the rest of it. Um, and so like, there's just so many other factors that go into like what goes on during your race. And um, I just think there are bigger things to look at than whether or not you're just having a negative split or not.
0: Okay, good. I mean, I've kind of wondered that about myself too. Cause like my, my PR was, um I had to like stop and walk at one point and um which I hate (laughs) no runner wants to do that you know the dream is the whole thing but it was like I did kind of wonder like um if I'm gonna like most of my most of well basically every marathon I've kind of hit that wall you know where I'm just like you know I'm a zombie and part of me just wonders like is it better to go a little faster and Give yourself a cushion for or at least for me. Is it better for me to run a little faster and just know that I'm gonna have a, more of a time buffer when I do hit the wall and I do slow down for the last few miles um, because maybe maybe it's just not possible for me to keep a uh, you know keep an even pace throughout. Um, I don't know. it is it it kind of goes back to the whole like mental game, but yeah.
1: It's like what you're talking about too. It's like, there's so many different parts of your race that you can look at, you know, like, should I give myself that bigger buffer in the beginning parts? That way I can have a little bit of room because I know that I'm going to hit this wall. And like, that can just be based on your training. You know, it's like, Oh yeah. Like I didn't really have like as many miles like the last four weeks and I would have liked. So now I'm going to try to approach this race a little bit differently or, you know, like, Oh, I'm actually feeling like I'm in pretty good shape. Let me try to like ease into it a little bit more, start a little bit slower and then break it down a part of it is just like what your training is kind of like, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're, if you're, if you're taking your long runs as workouts as well, and you've done a pretty good job of having like good progression runs, you know, during your 18 mile long run, starting slow, and then finishing pretty strong, like a little bit like, you know, underneath goal marathon pace, and that's what you should do for the race. But if you feel like that was a really hard workout and you're not going to be able to replicate that for race day, then you should do like what you just mentioned to give yourself a little bit of a buffer reasonably, of course, and not feeling totally burnt out by the end that you need to go to the medical
0: tent. Yeah. Um, one time I almost needed to do that. Um, I, I'm i curious when it comes to training. Um, uh, so obviously I'm, as you know, I'm trying to beat my cousin this year. <laughs> I'm still working yeah. on that. Uh, so I'm looking for any advice I can get. So uh, currently, like there's a couple key things I'm trying to abide by right now. <laughs> one is I don't want to get injured, obviously, like I've had to take time off for running and it it always sucks. Um, and I'm trying to get better about my eating, uh, cause I'm still not losing weight like I would like to. Um, but aside from those kind of obvious things, I guess, um, I'm right now I'm focused on increasing my weekly mileage with the kind of 10% rule. So, mm-hmm. to speak. so. This week I did 36 miles. Next week will be 40. Um, And next week I'll be here. I'm in Santa Fe. So I'll I'll be doing slower. I'll be doing all hills for the week and all all elevation. But then I'll come back to New York and I'll have exactly 16 weeks before the Chicago Marathon, which is where I'm Mm going to try and get the record. So one thing I'm curious about is I found, um, uh, I'm curious, I found a, a plan online and I'm curious how much I should stick to it and how much I should change it. And for example, the first week in that program, it's like 34 miles for the week, but I've already built built my baseline up to 40. And I'm kind of like, well, I, I want to keep going. I want to tack on another four. And right. what do you think in terms of, like where do you rank like weekly mileage versus maybe a little bit less and getting some speed workouts in or getting more rest in?
1: Yeah. So you kind of have to look at the plan as a whole, like you Mm -hmm. have to also keep in mind that if you are going to be starting at 40 weeks, you're only going to be essentially going up relatively speaking for the next 16 weeks. And so you also have to keep in mind like the last few weeks that you've also put into training as well. So based on what you're telling me, especially with like, based on where your model is at, you're pretty much doing a 20 week plan with a 16 week plan. Yeah. And so you might be better off having a little bit of a, that deloading week of getting back to 34, because the two biggest things that people struggle with with marathon training is, um, not being flexible with their training plan and just sort of sticking right to it, which is, which leads to a lot of training mistakes and also not taking recovery into a bitter, bigger consideration than training itself. Hmm. You know, like when you're doing these runs, you're, you know, working out at most like what one, two, three hours at most a day, but you're not really taking the consideration the other 23, 22, 21 hours during the day. And so if you're not getting the proper sleep, if you're not eating right, if you're not, you know, getting, not um, getting those calories back up so that way you can recover, that's where people usually fall short. And that's where people end up having injuries, or they feel like they're feeling pretty burnt out by the end of it. And then they don't hit their goal just because, you know, if they did that race, maybe four weeks earlier, they probably could have done great. So Mm -hmm. I'd say like follow that plan to what you got, because you have a pretty good base already. And that could maybe include, especially if like, you know, based on what the plan is, if you have a speed workout thrown in there, maybe take the intensity a little bit harder for that first workout and then see how that plays because you have that base already, you can just change a different factor instead.
0: Okay, then I'll stick to the 34 and I'll not go to 44. (laughs) Yeah,
1: because again, Uh, all you're going to be doing is building and building for the next 16 weeks. It's kind of good to know ahead of time that you're starting with a pretty good base, but you don't want to have to keep increasing. Because I'm sure like, and this is what most plans should look like. It shouldn't look just totally linear, going up, up, up. You need to sort of stagger a little bit, going up and down a little bit so you can have those recovery weeks. And people just want to keep building up, up, up.
0: And when it comes to uh, the different factors, so like in my mind, and this could be wrong, I I think about my weekly mileage, my speed and my body weight Um, because I mean, ideally over the next so, like because my my mileage is pretty high. I think in my plan, the highest it ever goes is like 55 for like it goes over 50 for maybe four weeks. And the rest are kind of in b- slightly below that. Some are in some are in the high 30s, some are in the 40s. Um, so I feel like I've built up the weekly mileage, but I, I'm trying to balance like I'm just trying to balance it all because it's like how much do you prioritize the mileage versus the speed? versus nutrition because i've also been reading about if you try and lose too much weight while you're training that could that could have a detrimental effect
1: yeah where where do
0: you place all those things
1: yeah i mean i'd say for like the first like two months focus a little bit more on the mileage so you have a pretty good base to go off of and then the next two months focus a little bit more on speed Mm -hmm. um and so it's also based on like when like that peak mileage sort of hits. Like I'm sure it still hits like during that peak week, like two to mm-hmm. three weeks before the race, and then you start tapering. Um, but the priority of the mileage is already kind of been brought up for those first eight weeks of the plan, most likely. And then you have your speed, which is where you're sort of fine tuning where your base is at. And so that way you can sort of handle a little bit harder intensity. So that way once marathon day comes, you're able to withstand both. Um, but in terms of the nutrition, like I don't have... A ton of clients usually coming to me talking about how they're also trying to lose weight at the same time because, like, on top of what sometimes they unintentionally lose weight, which is obviously like you're saying, like, really bad because that's when you're like really malnourished. You're not replacing what you're kind of building upon of, and that's where um, like these bone injuries come into play. It's where these overuse tendon injuries come into play, and so I'd say, kind of like work with the weight that you got. If you're you know chipping away like one pound like a month then you're doing fine. Um and it's also kind of a matter of like when you weigh yourself as well. Like I'd say I think like the most accurate reading you'd be able to do is just like first thing you do when you wake up in the morning. So that yeah. way you're you haven't eaten anything, you haven't had any deficit yet like before working out, like you're taking water weight water weight into effect as well. I mean I personally always weigh myself right after running just because mm-hmm. I like to know like okay how much should I just burn off, especially on like these hotter summer days. and you know if i lost three pounds on one run it's like okay i'm um i'm taking (laughs) in water like all day you know what i mean so like i that's just me personally that's what i like to do um but i just like i just i just keep tracking my weight to make sure that i'm not at a deficit again because the the last thing you want to do is be at a deficit when you're in the peak marathon training
0: okay interesting um and like i've noticed on this this the training plan I got, um, it's just like, it's one of those main runner websites, maybe runner's world or something. I don't even know. Uh, I, I just seemed, it seemed like I it was uh, roughly for my goal time because my goal time is 3.20 and it was for like a 3.15 marathon. Um, and so I'm okay with the mileage, but the speed, the speed is a weird thing. Um, and I feel like, maybe there were some numbers wrong in my plan. And so I'm just curious, like how often do you actually run at your marathon pace when you're training? That's a good
1: question. Um, I don't have like an exact statistic, at least for myself. I usually kind of base it, I mean, at least like coming like, in forward with like my clients and like, you know, like PT patients as well. A lot of it's all dependent on like where their fitness is at too. Um, if anything, you kind of want to work a little bit harder than marathon pace, you can work at, you know, like obviously like at a more like uncomfortable intensity. So that way, when you get to that marathon intensity, it doesn't feel as tough. So for example, I think I'd say like early on, I focus a lot on like goal marathon pace, because again, like in terms of intensity, but like regardless of the intervals that you're doing, theoretically, that is going to be the slowest pace that you're doing as opposed to, you know, like half marathon pace, 10k pace, 5k pace, all that sort of stuff like sure you have like tempos and threshold pace and everything like that as well but i'd say like what i normally do with some of my coaching clients early on is have them work at goal marathon pace pretty early so they can kind of hone in on like this is what that intensity is supposed to feel like and then from there you start breaking it down a little bit with like fartlek workouts you know working a little bit more like half marathon pace like maybe 10k pace um but in terms of like actual like track workouts and being like on the track um, for interval workouts, you kind of want to stay mainly at like 5k and 10k pace. So that way you could, oh. you know, again, work, work at a much harder intensity. So that way your body's able to withstand an easier intensity, so to speak, for a longer period of time.
0: Well, like this, so for my goal time, I need to run like 737 pace, uh, but most of the like and and there's a couple of those in the plan for like it's sort of like easy day, speed day, easy day, speed day, rest, easy day, long run. And so I, I get the speed days and the easy days, but a lot of the long runs on my plan, they're for like eight minute pace. Most of them are like an eight minute pace or slower. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that's where I'm kind of like. I would think you would want more long runs at marathon pace. Yeah. I mean that plan
1: is probably more based on the fact that you want to have more quality sessions during the week and yeah. then it's just building mileage for those like weekend warriors sort of people that they can only fit like, you know, 20% of their mileage over the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, what you can do to sort of modify it is take that second speed day. That would be on like on that Thursday or Friday. So to speak, and just incorporate that into like a tempo as part of your long run, like that's what I like to do during marathon training is having like a long run workout like every other week, yeah. so like you could like fine tune that marathon pace for faster, okay, or do like a progression run or something like that too, and just work up that intensity a little bit more.
0: so if you were doing um if you're so if I kept like speed day on like Tuesday and then just did some easy runs and then incorporated speed into my long runs, you're saying, how, how would you do that? Cause you're saying only for part of it, like either progressive or just chunks of the run?
1: I mean, it, it depends on like what your goal is and like what the kind of speed workout was like a few days before. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying like every other week too, because like I started realizing this a little bit in my own training that there is significance to just having a long run based on time on feet you know, like going a little bit slower over like maybe a quarter period of time just to adjust to the fact that you're going to be out there for a while. It's like good practice for, you know, like fueling mid run, you know, taking in water mid run, all that stuff. And then you could apply that to that more faster, longer runs. That way you're able to do the same thing, like not focus so much on time on feet, but intensity on feet instead. Um, so yeah, again, like it's, it's all kind of based on like how the week feels, like if you feel like, um, you want to focus, like work a little bit more on pacing. You can do like a tempo run in the middle of the long run or, um, you know, like going into like for a progression run, I feel like that's a really good way to just get better at pacing, mm. um, and just sort of like turn that dial bit by bit to see how you are in terms of just like knocking it down, like a few seconds every mile. And, and what we talked about earlier, if one of your goals for the marathon is to negative split, then a progression runs a great thing for you. that way you can figure out like how you feel just again turning that dial bit by bit and just holding it
0: yeah i okay i'm gonna play with that i'm gonna play with my i'm gonna take a look at my uh i was just looking at before i had you on um i'm gonna play around with that and see see what i can do with that and then so you made me think of something oh fueling because on these long runs like today i've been uh, like I bring a, I bring water and I bring some gels. What, what are the brands that you like for all that? What, what do you use and like, what are the brands you like? Yeah. So what I
1: used to do, which I'm actually shifting away from now is I would just have a cliff bar, like a granola bar in my pocket. Um, Mm -hmm. especially for like races. And I would just take like a bite or two of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would carry over pretty well for me without having any like stomach issues. Um, and like the last few races I did, especially before my surgery, um, that just like, wasn't doing it for me mm. anymore. Like I would still kind of feel like I was hitting that, like, you know, carb wall, um, at like, like 22, 23, when you're really trying to, you know, survive yeah. that last 5k. Um, and so I started shifting more to cliff blocks just cause I like the brand and it's always like yeah. done pretty well for me. Um, I still need to work on it a little bit. Like I used it for the uh, marathon I did a few weeks ago. Um, but um again, like everything sort of went to shit like pretty early like later on in the race. So mm-hmm. like that fueling wasn't exactly working so much at intensity. Um, but, you know, I stomached it well. Um, I didn't feel like I needed too much water with it either. And so I'll probably still play around with it over the summer.
0: Those are like the little like gummy ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those they're those are also like probably the best tasting mm-hmm. runner fuel. I do love those. I've played. Them yeah, and those. honestly,
1: like it's very different for everyone. Um, you know, like I, for one, I'm not for having something super sweet, like most of the goose now I'm not bashing you because I know a lot of people like it. And so stick with what you got and go for it. Um, I just like, can't stomach anything too sweet. It like really messes with my stomach. And in terms of anything, like that's more like gel based, um, again, it just, it just like hits my stomach like way too fast and it just like turns it. And I'm just like, not for that. I need, I kind of need something a little bit more solid and like giving the intention that I'm actually like biting something.
0: I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Goo, I've I've never really liked goo for the just I like some of their other products, but the gels like are kind of metallic to me. Like I don't they, yeah. they don't settle well with me either. So I usually try um I've tried the honey, whatever the honey oh honey stinger. Yeah, honey those singer. are pretty good too. And then there's another one I've been playing around with. Um but and then for water, do you do you have like a runner vest or what do you use?
1: Um, I have like this little, like collapsible water bottle that you, th- I think it's like eight ounces okay. and, uh, all you do is like, you just sort of like push it up and then you just suck out of it and it just gets lighter as you hold it. And I know mm-hmm. like some other people, they have like, um, the water bottles that you just sort of like loop onto your hand that you're just sort of running with it. I know some people like having water belts and all that stuff. I just sort of stick to that like little handheld bottle that I have and it's worked pretty well for me. All I've right. used it a handful of races. Um... I would have my parents just like on the sideline and like, you know, give them a spot where it's not like super crowded. And I would just like snag it from them and then run it the rest of the way.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I I have one of the the water bottles that, you know, wraps around your hand. But I noticed for the first time today doing a long run with it, it was like slowly cutting off circulation in my thumb. So by by mile six, it was like getting all tingly. (laughs) So
1: yeah, so you gotta switch hands.
0: Well, and also the one, maybe it's just the matter of the the specific brand or product, but as I drank water, it gets like, for like the top of it gets empty. And so it's like the weight distribution is in the bottom and it's like sloshing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's why I think I might switch to a vest for, especially once I get up until the like, bigger than a half like 15 18 miles I think I might do but you don't you've never used a vest I haven't just
1: because like I I'm kind of stiff through my upper back to kind of begin with when I run especially like under fatigue and Mm -hmm. I feel like if I were to have something like that I would just feel even more restricted and I cramp up
0: Mm -hmm. a lot are they normally pretty tight then is that what or no it's just more of
1: like a feeling it's um, more of just like that placebo effect of like oh something's on top of you you have to restrict your motion i feel like that would just like totally mess with my body mechanics that were really the case like i know they're obviously made to prevent that but i'm just a i'm built different <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, i don't know it's like my shoulder likes to lock up every now and then if i'm you know if i'm feeling very fatigued it's really weird
0: okay a, and uh so do you have any i'm curious do you have any other goals like um are you going to try and do like the six star thing or
1: yeah i mean that's that's a little bit more long term um i threw myself in the lottery for london um i think we hear back this month whether or not we get in um you know it's really just like the international races i have to do left but i'm not gonna you know surround my entire life around it right now i kind of focus a little bit more on going fast and doing some of these faster races while i still can and, you know, as speed sort of dwindles away, I can start focusing a little bit more on more of these international races.
0: And you have you ever done, gotten into ultras?
1: Nope, not yet, anyway. Not yet? <laughs> I think it might be one of those things when like speed is, is totally gone and yeah. just like for a new challenge, but that's for like 40, 50-year-old me.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think yeah, I think I'm the same way. I wanna I want to try and get a few more of these marathons and see if i can get speed my my goal is to someday get under under three um maybe so i'm thinking maybe next year if i can get my speed pretty good this year and get my body in shape and then keep the miles up oh Mm -hmm. so when you're like you're like aside from marathon training when and sometimes runners are just always training for something but do you usually do like a kind of a up and down flow to your your training like you're like you'll have harder weeks and easier weeks or or do you ever just knock out the same thing every day every week
1: um I mean when it's more so I guess like for example when I was recovering from my surgery my build was just pretty gradual Mm -hmm. and sure like there'd be some weeks I would have to like really listen to my body in terms of, you know, like I was traveling a lot. And so my knee would sort of stiffen up over time from just sort of keeping it in the same spot. So I'd have like a deload week, but it wasn't exactly planned. And so I sort of just kind of go with the flow, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. Like I, like ever since I was done with college, I was pretty freelance, you know, like no one's really telling me like how to train or what to do. So a lot of it was, just sort of like trial and error. And I started realizing that I just need to listen to my body when it's telling me something. And if, you know, like these easy runs are feeling like they're really dragging, you know, like, you know, easy pace is a lot slower than it should be and not in a good way. That's when I just like have to call it, give it a day off, like subtract the mileage and just um, not like trying to make up for lost time in the days later, but just get right back into it. Once my body just feels recovered.
0: When what's like the, uh, not to simplify it too much, but what what would be like your average weekly mileage like when you're totally healthy?
1: I'm trying to remember what it was. So for Chicago, ironically, was actually probably my worst training cycle. Healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually run seven days a week, and then six days a week, like the following weeks, pretty much like 13 days in a row, um, you know, give or take. Um, And for that training cycle, um, school was just like totally killer. Um, I had to study like a lot every weekend. Um, My long runs were super inconsistent. I think the most I ever did that cycle was 16. Um, I was like barely able to squeeze like workouts in during the week. So I'd sort of, you know, maximize time over the weekend and just have like faster long runs And then, um, going into the race, I had like no idea what to expect. And then I was able to just sort of churn that out. But I think for that cycle, I was hovering between like low sixties and seventies. Um, and ideally I would like to hover between like 70, 80 every week because I tried for my very first marathon, I hit a, um, 100 mile week at the end of the summer and that sucked. (laughs) <laughs> I, was, like, I was totally dead for like three days afterwards. Um, it was also kind of unintentional too. Like I was, ha- I was hitting like really good mileage early on, and I realized by Friday I was kind of like knocking on the door of like those like triple digits. And so I'm like, okay, let's see what we can do over the weekends. Yeah. And um, it was like, convenient, like one of the hottest like weeks of the year too. Like it was a high of like 95. Like you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and so I was just like waking up really early doubling up at night like at, like once the sun set and it was just a lot so like i was able to fit it in i'm um, confidently say that i did 100 but that's not somewhere i would want to hover i think like long term
0: how often do you do double days
1: um very rarely i only do it if um like the weather sort of tells me to you know mm-hmm. like um not like uh day like today for instance i know it's pretty hot but if it's like one of those extreme heat waves of it being like in the high nineties. Um, then I would wake up at six, just to sort of get like half that mileage in and wait, like maybe an hour before sunset and just get the rest in. Mm. That's and very rare. I'm, I'm usually not one to double like on a regular basis.
0: And then as far as like the 13 days in a row, like how do, like how do runners approach that because Like, I'm doing six days a week right now, and I feel like to cross into that territory of 13 in a row or seven days a week, like some of the, you know, like Kipchoge does or whatever, where it's like, you know, those insane things. Where do you balance that with the sort of big rule of like, you need a a rest day? Like how? Do, w- at what point do you say, okay, it's gonna be okay that I ran seven days this week?
1: Yeah, um, I'd say like, well, part of it too was more just like the long haul of kind of jumping right into it right after college because we were just used to thirteen days in a row. Because I think it was also like a Division three rule um, mm-hmm. at the time where you had to give a day off. I think it was, maybe it was even like every day, but then you just had the option of running like 45, 50 minutes like on your off day. Um, and so with that rule and then it was just like habit, I think at first, and then just sort of carrying that over in the marathon training, knowing they had to put all these miles in, but again, like trial and error of like starting to listen to your body a little bit more, like it's okay to take that off day because recovery is more important than whatever miles you try to fit in. And like the general rule that I have too, is there's like a lot of, there's like a pretty like relative term for what like junk miles are. um you know like wake it up like really early in the morning you feel like your legs are kind of dragging like would you consider that like a quality run or -hmm. would you just tack those miles on and call it like what it is to help add to like your 50 60 mile week total you know and so like you have to think of it more like quality over quantity and so like if i wake up one day and i'm feeling like my legs are already like totally gassed and i haven't even like rolled out of bed yet would I have this run and would they feel more unproductive than productive? And now like we look at Garmin all the time and it's half the time always telling us it's unproductive or productive. And so like, I'm not talking about like that sort of terminology. It's more of just like, how did you feel after that run? Like, did you feel like you made yourself better that day? Or did you actually sort of make yourself worse for the next day? Hmm. And so like, that's where like the 13 days, like unintentionally sort of came into mind. Um, But that's like, like the importance of trying to like listen to your body a little bit more is being able to make that judgment call and like knowing it's like for the best. Now, like having a coach helps with that a little bit more too, because then you have like a little bit more of your conscience telling you for someone that's, you know, trying to help you like, yeah, your legs are looking really gassed. Like your heart rate's like through the roof. Your RPD is crazy. It's time for you to like take a day off now. Like just move that workout over like another day or whatever. Um, like that's the adjustments that you sort of need to make like on a regular basis, if you want to be able to be successful at this thing.
0: And and how often are you monitoring, using heart rate monitoring?
1: Um, not very often, just because like, I the only like the most accurate reading you're going to get is if you wear a chest strap, something that I was considering getting myself, at least for this cycle, because the wrist readings are good, but they're not perfect um you know like i have i even have like patients coming in all the time saying like yeah like my garmin thought like my heart rate was in the red like all the way through and i felt totally fine like i felt like i could have been in the green you know and so like you kind of have to take those with um grain of salt a little bit but if it's consistently like reading as pretty high and then by the end of the week you just feel totally gassed then maybe they weren't on something you know Mm -hmm. so you you take it You take it one day at a time at first but then you start realizing a trend and then you start realizing okay maybe it's time to back off a little bit
0: and similar to my speed question how like because i've noticed as i've scanned youtube uh something that's popping up a lot is people are talking about these different zones and how much of your training should be like at a lower heart rate like and a small portion should be at that higher heart rate do you, do you think about that at all when you go out? Yeah,
1: be- I do because there's actually a lot of research uh, pointing towards it. There's a lot of studies that like the most productive you'll be during training is if you spend 80% of your time at like, you know, between like zone one and zone two, and mm. then 20% between like zone four and zone five, because there's really no place for that moderate training. Mm. Um, only because like you're if you're training at moderate pace, you're sort of treating it more at a harder intensity than an easier intensity. Mm -hmm. And if you're logging that moderate pace into your easy pace, you're actually not getting that recovery that you should be getting for that easy pace run. And so Mm -hmm. you're better off again, thinking more quality over quantity and spending less time at a harder pace. So that way you can make the most out of the workout.
0: Have you ever, so I have an aura ring not on right now, but have you ever known runners who have used that for heart rate monitoring?
1: I do, and I, I have Whoop myself. Um, yeah. This isn't like a bash on Whoop, but lately, like my heart rate on that has seemed like super off compared to what Garmin tells me. Mm-hmm. And Garmin sort of lines up a little bit better with like how I feel um as well as it with it lining up with my heart rate. But there are a lot of times that whoop would have me running, you know like twenty minutes in like zone five, and I was not like feeling that at all. Like there's no way I was running like at ninety percent of like what I was able to accomplish.
0: Well, what what do runners have to say? Because like the aura ring is, you know, advertised as more for sleep monitoring, but it mm-hmm. does have a heart rate. It does monitor your heart rate. So I'm just curious what runners have said about the accuracy. Like
1: Yeah. I mean like, Whoop is also the same way. I think th- I think they advertise a little bit more for recovery based on mm-hmm. actual performance. Um I'd agree that um both Oura ring and Whoop, I think, it should be um, like they're gonna track it because they can, and like that's yeah. just what they're gonna like you know shoot for um, because you're you're supposed to be wearing it like 24 seven without ever taking it off. Yeah. Um, so I would probably listen to that stuff more based on recovery mm. um, and use more of whatever you use for performance to kind of gauge like how you're doing with performance. Because like Garmin, because Garmin's like the opposite, you know. They can still record heart rate. Uh, they can still record heart rate, sleep, everything like that. But I would say that Wu probably does a better job at recording recovery than Garmin does. Okay. Just based on in my experience, I wouldn't say that like that's a total thing that everyone likes to say. Like I have colleagues that love Garmin and they'll use it for everything.
0: Well, because I'm I'm asking because I'm I'm kind of in a dilemma right now where, um. I haven't been using the aura ring for running, but I think, I mean, I bought the, the darn thing a while ago, so I, I'd like to try it out and see if it works for me, but it sounds like, and then I'm also interested in the Garmin watches. Cause I've, I, I don't use a watch, but sometimes I've used an Apple watch. Um, uh, but I, I'm also kind of interested in the actual like chest strap for the heart rate monitor. Um, and so I'm I'm just kind of like, thinking out loud about what might be the best thing for me moving forward yeah. um well but a lot I of I it
1: that a lot of it that i've noticed is like just have all of them on and just sort of cross-reference <laughs> it no yeah. i'm serious it's like, it is like the best way to sort of figure out like what works best for you and like what's lining up with like how you're feeling as well you yeah. know like that's why i have both when I'm, that's why i have both when i'm running all the time because i want to see like what's what because at first whoop was doing a better job at recording heart rate mm-hmm. um when i first got it now i don't know what happens like it's not like i've like, yes, like, I obviously had my sur- surgery and everything like that, but I wouldn't say that, like, totally deterred me from, you know, like, where I'm, like, where I could be at fitness-wise, so this is a lot to consider, and you want to, like, have all, you don't want to be overwhelmed with data, because I feel like that's where a lot of people sort of get lost with, like, how they're supposed to train either. Mm-hmm. You can sort of just, like, use all those data points and then figure out, like, what works best for you with, like, what's reporting for it.
0: Yeah, and have you, have you done much comparison personally between like a Garmin watch versus an Apple watch? I personally
1: haven't. Um, I just know that, um, cause I think Apple started getting a little bit better with their performance stuff, um, mm-hmm. with their latest model. Um, I just, I'm trying to remember, cause like the GPS on it I think is pretty wonky compared to the watches that are made for running. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause you have Garmin, Coros and uh, Polar. I think I remember reading somewhere, I think even runner's world that those three for in terms of GPS were like 99.9% like on the mark. And there's really no like clear discrepancy between any of the three. So if you're buying a watch strictly for like GPS accuracy, like all three of those are good to go. Um, but I think Apple was a little more off the mark from what I remember.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: But in terms of like readings based on like your health data, I, I don't really know, honestly.
0: OK, yeah, I just uh, I always see runners who get, you know, the runner dedicated watches like, you know, mm-hmm. every, like everyone at the start of the corrals always is, they've all got the garments like ready to go. And like yeah, they're, they're ready they go to go and stardom. And like as soon even the pros, like as soon as they cross the finish line, it's just like they're they're stopping it. Yeah, um man. OK, well. Feel like you've given me a lot to think about a lot of a lot of good information <laughs> i appreciate it and i hope people listening are getting some good information um but uh you know thanks for doing this i uh i don't know if i have any other questions and uh i just have to like yeah i have to think about a lot of this stuff and um i'm looking forward to us running new york <laughs>
1: yeah, cool, <laughs> dude. yeah you got and, it
0: uh, and how can people can find you if uh whether it's for PT or they want to just track your running, they can they can find you on Instagram. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, my Instagram, at least for PT, is con.hess.run.dpt. And if you have any questions for physical therapy, running training, anything related with that, you could also email me, uh, Connor at finishlinept.com.
0: Cool. And I'll I'll put that in the the description of this wherever I post it. So
1: sounds good, dude, there, Connor. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, glad to talk to you. Let yeah. me know if you have any questions running-wise or if you want to come back in, once you're actually back in, on the East Coast.
0: Yeah, oh, I will. I'll have plenty, especially, I, I think once I get about four weeks into this running plan, I'll, you know, reassess things and uh, I'll definitely have some questions, I bet. So
1: Looking forward to your recap videos for how you're going to get the family PR. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I'll be posting one next week uh, for sure because oh, yeah. I need to do a, an update for June. Yeah, it's been a while. We
1: need we need the updates, man.
0: Uh, I'll 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 put it out there. I'll put it out there. Go, <laughs> cool, man. All right, I'll talk to you later, dude. See you later, dude.